you the Holy Spirit? It is today. And that's really the only solution for our country, the Holy Spirit moving throughout our land. You know, one revival can erase decades of decadence. Amen? It really can. I'm going to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit as our guide. He's our guide. I'm so thankful. Jesus said, it's to your advantage I go away. Well, I'm just going to read it. Let's just read it. John 16, two verses, verse 7 and verse 13. And uh, if you have a Bible, that's where we are, uh, John 16, 7, where Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit, John 14, 15, and 16. But here he is again. He says, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Well, that was hard for them to believe. Here's, he said, here's why. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So who sent the Holy Spirit? Jesus did. Now verse 13. But when he, the spirit of what? Truth. Comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now notice, guide you. He will guide you into truth, which means to me he's going to guide you out of deception into truth. And then he will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He is the conduit for the voice of, the, of Jesus to us. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from heaven, he will speak, and he will tell you what's coming in the future. He will tell you things to come. He's a supernatural spirit, of course, God the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to just pluck out of those verses that one phrase, he will guide you into all truth. He's our guide. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for the Holy Spirit of the living God that you gave him to us. Thank you, Lord, that in your going away, you sent us a counselor, a guide, a teacher, an illuminator, a helper, a strengthener, one who will stand with us and stand for us. And, Lord, I just pray that today we will get a better grasp on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the church. And, Lord, you will fill us and refill us and baptize us afresh and anew in the Holy Spirit of God. If you have the liberty, can we just lift up holy hands to the Lord and say, Lord, today, fill me with the Spirit. Baptize me afresh and anew in the Holy Spirit of God. And I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's going to guide you today going to guide you today. And our prayers are with Pastor Ray. They are, I think they're in the air right now, coming back from England with some of our children. And we got a lot of people out in missions and doing various things. And it's summer. And do you know that it's supposed to hit 104 today? So aren't you glad you're in here? Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit. I'm a debtor to the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't be up here if not for the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, first it was Christ Jesus who I turned to for forgiveness. But when I turned to him, he poured out on me the Holy Spirit, and that revolutionized my life. 
that got me, uh, that, that changed my personality. Or it brought out what was already there, but had been beaten down. And he allowed me to come forth. And uh, he stood me on my feet. He put his word in my mouth. I'm behind a pulpit because of the Holy Ghost. This was not a career choice. This was a God choice. And, and so he, he, he changed me. He revolutionized my life. He put fire in my soul. The Holy Spirit does many things in and around us all the time. He's moving all over the world right now. He leads. He speaks. He fills. He reveals. He teaches. He helps. He sends. He forbids. He grieves. He constrains and convicts and warns us. He also gives life. He's, he, is the, he is the way that we are born again. He is the medium by which we are born again. It is the Holy Ghost that comes into our hearts and gives us new life and quickens our dead soul and makes us alive again. It's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. He seals us. As a matter of fact, He is the seal until the day of redemption. He gives spiritual gifts to every one of God's children. If you're God's child today by way of Jesus Christ, then he has already given you a gift. You are gifted. You have a gift from God. And the Holy Spirit gave it to you as he willed. And today I want to talk to you about the ministry of the Holy Spirit as the guide. He guides us. I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. He guides us in the way that we should go. Jesus said when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Into what? He said into all truth. So if there is all truth, then there has to be deception. There can't be truth but what there is deception. That he leads us out of. He will guide you into all truth. In one of my favorite lifetime verses, I have read this so many times, marked it up so much that the, the, the page in my Bible, this verse is on, is more worn than many of the others. Psalms 32.8, I love it. Here's God talking, promising guidance. I will instruct you, and I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Boy, I like that. I'll counsel you, and I'll watch over your progress. I will guide you. He said, Isaiah said, you will call his name Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, I will counsel you and watch your progress. Listen to these words. I'll instruct you, guide you, counsel you, advise you. We can't see him, but we can see what he does. And the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of our heart, he comes in to do many things, but one is to guide us. We have a guide we have a helper. Thank God for a guide. And he, he guides us primarily in two ways, by his word and by his spirit. I'll instruct you, guide you, counsel you, advise you. And Paul the apostle said, we are to follow the spirit's guidance. Galatians 5.16 says, live by following the spirit. Well, you can't follow something that's not guiding you. You can't follow something that's not leading you. So he says, Paul says, live, here's your lifestyle. Here's the way I want you to live, church. I want you to live by following the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life because he's there to guide you. And how many of you have gotten messed up enough in your life where you know, hey, I need a guide? 
you know, I can get lost pulling out of my driveway. And, I've, and, and it was just a great thing for me when GPS came along. And I can't tell you how many times I lean on that GPS to guide me or I would be lost. I'd be wasting so much time on the road because I travel a lot of different places and, and I use that GPS. And when it tells me to turn, I turn. Even though it doesn't make sense, I still do what it says. Unless Kathy's in the car. If Kathy's in the car, she's a better GPS than the GPS. And I will, I will defer to her. But other, if she's not there, that GPS guides me, says turn right, turn left, go straight, get on this highway, go that way, and I do it because I need a guide in life. We all need a guide. And let me tell you something. If you'll follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you'll make far less mistakes. Now, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. And I got to thinking, well, what does he mean? all truth. He's going to guide me into all truth. What is the all truth? What does he mean? And I just want to share with you what I believe the Bible is very clear about. Just, just three simple truths the Holy Spirit leads every one of us into when we come to Christ, when we become a child of God. Three truths he leads us all into. The first one is the Holy Spirit will always, folks, and church, we need to remember this in this day of confusion and religious deception and cults everywhere and all that is happening in our country that, it, that, it, that is based in lies and based in deception. We need to get back to this one fundamental basic truth that the Holy Ghost will first and foremost and evermore lead us to the truth himself, Jesus Christ, the man. That's the first truth the Holy Ghost will lead any person to. The Holy Spirit's got one message for lost people, Jesus Christ and Him crucified for you. He has no other message. That is the word that the Holy Spirit, the truth of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm the way and I am the truth. I don't just speak truth. I don't just know truth. I don't just understand truth. I am the truth truth. It's always blown me away that there Pilate has Jesus in front of him. He has been whipped. He's been beaten. He's about to be crucified. He's standing there. And Pilate asked this question. He said, what is truth? And standing right in front of him was consummate truth. What is truth? Let me tell you what truth is. Truth begins and ends with Jesus Christ. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. There was a time in your life, there you were in the darkness of sin, you were going straight to hell, and God by his grace reached down and God drew you to the reality, to the truth that is in Jesus Christ. And how did he do it? Well, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus, lifts up Jesus, glorifies Jesus, magnifies Jesus, preaches Jesus. Jesus said when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. 
You know, I was sitting in juvenile home. There I was in juvenile home. I was thinking about this when I read that verse. I had never heard the gospel. I knew nothing about God. I had never prayed in my entire life, not once. And I was 16 years old because I was raised in a secular home. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this man. He came with a few young people. They played some Jesus music, which I thought was terrible. And and then he got up and I thought, this guy has nothing that I want to hear, but I'll do anything to get out of my cell. And so sitting there, he began to preach. And he opened up with John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And something began to happen to Jeff Wickwire I could not understand. I began to be convicted of my sin. You see, I knew I was going in front of a judge who knew only a little bit of what I'd done. But it was enough to send me to prison. But as I was sitting there listening to this man, it occurred to me, there is a God who knows everything that I have done, and I'm going to answer to him, and I began to come under the conviction of sin. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit. I didn't know how the Holy Spirit operates, but the gospel was bringing me under the conviction of sin. And I began to think there's a coming judgment. There's going to be a day when I face God, and he's going to read my mail. He's going to read my mail. He's going to tell me everything I've ever done, and he's going to make me answer for it. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It begins to occur to you that you've got an eternal soul, and that one day you're going to meet God, and that you have broken God's law. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us that we are guilty of sin and that a judgment day is coming when we're going to pay for our sin. And then he points and guides us to the only answer and solution on the planet, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the answer, and that's the truth. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. There is no other. The Holy Spirit, folks, let's be clear on this. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to Buddha. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to Allah. He will never lead you to Muhammad. He will never lead you to New Age or any other philosophy or any other person other than the person of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God has one message, Christ and Him crucified to a lost and a dying world. That's it. That's the only message. Jesus is the sum and substance of the Spirit's message to our lost world. That's it. America is dying to hear it. Let's don't don't mince words. Let's don't be politically correct. Let's tell them the real answer, how to get healed, how to get fixed, how to get delivered. And it is in the man, Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. America needs Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for everybody who believes. Amen. So if you think God, if you think God has somehow led you to a person or some belief system where Jesus Christ is not the center and the core, you have not been led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always lead us to Jesus. That's why when you lift your hands and you say, Jesus, I just want to worship you, the Spirit says, Amen. Can we just do that for a moment? Just say, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Didn't he lead you to Jesus? Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise.
Amen. Now, once he's led you to, to the truth that is in Jesus Christ, then the next thing the Holy Spirit guides us to is the right path, the right path. Jesus said there's only two paths, two roads that any human being can travel in life. There's only two. He called one a broad road, and he called the other one a narrow road. Listen to the words of Jesus. He said, the highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide enough for all the multitudes who choose its easy way. But the doorway to life, the doorway to life is small, and the road is narrow, constricted, and only a few ever find it compared to the mass of humanity. Only a minority find it. Now, let me just take what Jesus said. Let me just take it apart for a minute. Jesus describes a wide gate and a broad road. So there's a way in, and then there's a way on. There is a door, and then there is a road. Now, I was thinking about that, and it occurred to me that without even thinking, everybody who was born into this world, until you know Jesus, we naturally enter through the wide gate, and we go onto that broad road. Because it doesn't take any thought. It comes naturally to you and me. We, we sin naturally. Nobody had to teach me how to sin. I knew how to do it all on my own. How about you? And so we get on that broad road that Jesus said is so appealing and where most go, but the end of it is the way of death. The end of it is destruction. It seems attractive. It seems the thing to do. It's what everybody is doing. It's where everybody is going. It's the way everybody is living on that broad road. It's so easy, so simple, so beckoning, so alluring. One day I was walking in the state fair, and I was walking down the midway. And you've been on the midway. Most of you have been on, down the midway. And the midway is, is uh, where all the games are and all the rides are. And I was walking, and it was just packed. I mean, you could hardly move. And I'm walking down the midway, and it occurred to me, this verse came to me, how the midway is just like the broad road Jesus described. It's sort of like the broad road in a snapshot, in a picture, in a metaphor, because when you're walking down the midway, it's, it's lights and excitement and allurement and temptation. And you're being called to, from every side, what we call carnival barkers, the guys that are always, that have been put to oversee those games and lure you in so you'll waste your money on those games. And, and they call to you. They, last time I was there, they came right out to me. Hey, come try this. Come try that. And you're hearing voices saying, come over here and then over there and come over here and come over there and try this and try that and experiment here and experiment with that and spend your money. Excitement, adventure, electricity. And it struck me that that's just exactly the way the broad road that leads to destruction is. Let me tell you what the devil's strategy is. His strategy is to keep lost people on the midway of life where you're always hearing, come over here, try this, come over there, try that, experiment with this, get in that relationship, this relationship, go here, go there, try this, lean on that. And his goal and strategy is that our time and our life would be eaten up and that we would miss the one door, the narrow door, 
that really does lead to life. And when I got to the end of the midway, I was flat broke. And that's exactly the way you get to the end of life if you go down the broad road. Your soul is broke. Your soul is wasted. You've spent your, the capital of your soul on absolutely nothing. He wants to keep you busy. He wants to keep you distracted. He wants to keep you involved in this and that and the other so that you do not ever approach that narrow door, that small door that leads to life. Jesus said there's a broad road. Most everybody is going down it. And then he said there's a narrow road. And that narrow road is the road that leads to life. Now, there's, a, there's an opening, and then there's a road. You go through a door, and then you get on a road. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I'm the door. I'm the door that leads on to the narrow road. If you don't go through me, you will never find that narrow road. You will never get on the narrow road if you don't first go through me. You must go through me. And that's why the door to the narrow road is narrow because there's only one way there's only one option there's not a bunch like there are on the broad road where you can try so many different things no if you're going to get on the narrow road you've got to go through the narrow door and the narrow door is narrow because there's only one way and it's jesus jesus said i'm the door if anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pasture. You know, I used to live in the country years ago, pastor my first church in East Texas, and I noticed something, and, and when you look in a pasture full of cows, they're never more happy than when they are in a pasture full of green grass where they can just graze all day long. They are happy cows. <laughs> now let me tell you something what Jesus is telling us here. He said, I'm the door. I'm the only door. There is no other door. You will not get in any other way. But if you go through me, you will be saved and find pasture. So that every day of our life, we are in a pasture of green grass and still waters. He makes me to lie down in pastures of tender grass, and he leads me beside the still waters, the 23rd Psalm says. You know what? This morning... Before I came to church, I was on my patio, and I was grazing in my pasture. Here's my pasture right here. The Word of God is my pasture. Here's where the green grass is. Here's where the food is, the food for the soul. And Jesus said, you'll go in and out, and I will feed you, and you will be satisfied. But you must go through me. And once we go through Him with the help of the Spirit's guidance, that same Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. And he immediately says, now it's time to get on the narrow road. Now, church, let me tell you something. If, you're, if you say you're saved and you're not living on the narrow road, you're not walking the narrow road, I would check out my salvation because the Holy Ghost leads us through a narrow door, and that is Jesus. Then he leads us onto a narrow road. And that means we live according to the teachings of Christ. We forgive those who offend us. We put first Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God and everything else is added to us. He is our all in all. We're following a Savior. We have not embraced a religion. We've embraced a person and a person has embraced us. And we're following him all the days of our life. And he is our all in all. 
He's the darling of our heart, the lover of our soul. He's everything to us, and we're walking according to his teachings. The prophet Isaiah wrote, But he, your teacher, will not hide himself anymore. Your eyes will see your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. And what does the word say behind you? What does God say to us? This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or whenever you turn to the left. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit to you and to me. He says, this is the way. The way of Jesus. This is why Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon a rock, and the rain fell, and the winds blew, and the floods beat on that house, but the house did not fall because it was grounded and founded upon a rock. Not just Jesus and salvation in him, but once you're saved, we embrace the teachings of the teacher, and we live according to what he told us to do. And that's the narrow way. And Jesus said, that leads to life. Amen. Amen. That's what leads to life. And the Holy Spirit leads us to walk that narrow way. You know, I remember when I first gave my heart to the Lord and really sold out to him, I can remember so much, so strongly how the Spirit of God began to deal with me about different things in my life. And it was progressive. Jeff, you need to lay this down, and you need to pick this up. You need to walk away from this, and you need to go over to that. You need to do this. And he, and, and he took my life, and he brought my life where he was actually guiding me down a pathway, the path of righteousness, the path of holiness, the road that Jesus said was narrow. The Spirit guides us to Jesus, and He guides us onto the narrow road. Let me ask you today, are you living on that narrow road? Are you walking the narrow road that leads to life? Are you following Jesus? Let me, let me ask you another question. Can this book tell you what to do? Can it? Or, or do you kind of cherry pick what you like? Well, I like that verse. I like that one. I like, well, I don't so much like that one. So we'll just play like that's not, not there. And, and in our minds, we, we tear pages out of the Bible. But you can't because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So, so can the Bible, can the Bible tell you what to do? Because when you're walking down the narrow road, here's your instruction manual for life. And this book will put you on the narrow road. But it's the road that leads to life. It's the road that leads to joy. It's the road that leads to fulfillment. It's the road that leads to eternal life. Jesus is on that road. And if Jesus is on that road, I want to be on that road with Jesus. Now, there's one last truth the Holy Spirit will lead you into. He will guide you to the person of Jesus always. Then he will guide you on to the narrow road always. But then the last thing he will do, the last truth, he will lead you into God's will for your life. How many of you want to walk in God's will? Now, can I tell you that you'll never know God's will until the Holy Spirit first leads you to the truth, Jesus Christ, 
and then onto the narrow road that leads to life. And when you've met Jesus as your Savior, and you're on the narrow road that leads to life, that is when you're a candidate to discover the will of God for your life. The Holy Ghost will show you the will of God for your life. I never knew the will of God until I sold out to the Lord and said, Jesus, I give you everything. I give you everything. I'm totally surrendered to you. I surrender all. I don't hold anything back. Whatever you say goes. You're the boss, and I'm not. And then the Spirit of God came upon me and began to deal with me and began to put fire in my heart, and I began to realize I was called into the ministry. I would never have known that if I hadn't come first to the truth and then gotten onto the narrow road that leads to life. And that is when I discovered so much more. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, that's full surrender, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then look at what happens, that you may know What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? He's going to show you the will of God for your life. In the book of Acts, we find the Spirit of God guiding Deacon Philip exactly where he was to go in his outreach ministry. He'd been preaching a preacher's dream revival. Philip, a deacon. It shows you that deacons are ministers. There were two deacons, Philip and Stephen. Stephen was martyred, and Philip started preaching the gospel in cities. And he went down to Samaria, and citywide revival broke out. I mean, everybody was being saved. Demons were coming out. People were repenting of the occult. He was in a preacher's dream revival. But then the Bible says, the Spirit said to Philip, go over, Philip, and join this chariot. And the Spirit led him into the desert. And he sees a chariot going by with one man in it, a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch. And the Spirit of God said, listen, to me, one man is as important as a crowd. I want you to get in that chariot, and I want you to minister to that man. He approached the chariot, and it just so happened this man was reading Isaiah, reading about Jesus. And he turned to Philip and said, can you tell me what this means? That's like offering a T-bone steak to a preacher. And Philip said, oh, let me just tell you, that's talking about Jesus. And I can tell you how to meet Jesus and come to Jesus. And the the Ethiopian eunuch got saved there in the chariot. And he said, what does hinder us from being baptized or me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe, let's do it. They got off out of the chariot. They got into the water. Watch this, everybody. He baptized him. Let me read it to you. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. You had two people freaked out here. You got one. A man is pushing you down in the water, about to baptize you. He, he puts you down, and as he's bringing you up, suddenly the man is gone. And then the man who is now gone finds himself in another city in the same nanosecond. Everybody say, that would freak me out. 
And the Bible says he hit the ground running. He hit the ground preaching. He's preaching. Do you know that Azotus, where he was carried, was about 20 miles from Gaza, where he had been? So Philip found himself literally having been transported 20 miles away without traveling to get there in the blink of an eye. That's a great way to travel. That's cheap. That's free. So you see that God was guiding Philip in, in God's will for his life. The Spirit was guiding him. The Spirit was, the, 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 these preachers and ministers and this first century church were Holy Spirit people. They were controlled by, led by, guided by. The Holy Spirit. Is it any different now? It should not be because the same Spirit that was then is now. The same Spirit that filled them then fills us now. The same Spirit that empowered them then empowers us now. One day a group of prophets and teachers gather in Antioch to fast and pray for direction for the church. And the book of Acts records, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Who said? Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Don't know how the Holy Spirit communicated to them, if it was an audible voice or just an impression in their heart. But as they're there seeking the Lord, suddenly, folks, I want you to see the Holy Spirit said. And he set apart two men. Saul, he was still Saul. He hadn't been named Paul yet. Saul and Barnabas, and called them into God's will for their life. And they went off on a missionary journey. So here, the Holy Spirit guided His people into God's will. And not only does He guide you in the big picture for your life, you know, what you're ultimately called to do, but, but I can tell you, from the time that God called me to preach and minister the Word, the Holy Spirit has guided me 10,000 times, 10,000 times in the will of God for my life, decisions to make, both large and small. He has shown me the will of God and guided me in God's will for my life. The Holy Spirit is our guide. And I've learned something as well. I've learned that when the Holy Spirit guides you into God's will, it's usually comprised of four things a what you're to do, a where you're to do it, a when it's to be done, and a who you're to do it with. Now, folks, we got to know, the Holy Spirit wants to be intricately involved, intimately involved in our life. And so when He, when he guides us into God's will, there's always a what you're to do. You're, here's what you're to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. I want you to teach. I want you to be involved in Sunday school or teaching something. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. There is a, there is a what you're to do, and that is guided by the Holy Spirit. But then he also shows you where you're to do it. Where? You know, Kathy and I knew we were called a pastor, but then we had to go, all right, where? And God said, Fort Worth. And do you know that I had a man fly me to Philadelphia on a Learjet, I'm telling you the truth, put me in a Learjet, flew me to Philadelphia. He was a multi-mega millionaire. He took me to a dinner that cost hundreds of dollars, and he looked at me and said, Jeff, I would love a church here in Philadelphia. 
would you pray about coming to Philadelphia? If you will, I will build your building. I will build your building. I said, okay, this just has to be God. This just has to be God. But you know what? When God gives you your what, you're the pastor, Jeff, there's also a where, and you better be sure that once you get the what, you get the right where. Because I prayed, and God said, if you go, he will own you. Don't go. Go where I show you. And I said, well, where are you saying for me to go? He said, Fort Worth. I want you to go to Fort Worth. And so we said, all right, we're going to Fort Worth. And I said goodbye to millions of dollars, a brand-new building built by this man, and came to Fort Worth because the where was as important as the what. you got to know the right what, and you got to know the right where. There's also a right when. There's a right when it's to be done. There is a timing, and timing is everything. For Paul or Saul and Barnabas right here, it was then. The timing, when was then. It was then. I want you to go right now. But there is a what. There is a where. There is a when. And then there is a who. And all that who is so very important because you know what? You can get the right when and the right what and the right where, but if you hook up with the wrong who, it's going to mess up the what and the where and the when. You got to have the right who. Listen, God puts together teams. He puts together teams. And, and, and listen, if, if God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. And when Satan wants to destroy you, he puts a person in your life. The right who is as important as the right what and where and when. You can have the right what but not have the right where and you can go to the wrong place with the right what but the wrong where, and it won't fly because you don't have the right where mixed with your right what. I think that made sense. And let me tell you something, young people. Listen carefully to me. If you're in the wrong where, doing the wrong what, you're liable to hook up with the wrong who. you got to be real sure. Because if there's a call on your life, and if you're a believer, there is, it is so very important that you hook up with the right people. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. The Bible says don't even hook up an oxen and a donkey together. Because an oxen is pliable. The oxen goes along with its guide. The oxen is, is gentle. It's peaceful. But the donkey wants to kick, wants to resist, will eat trash and some of you are oxen and you're hooked up with donkeys and don't look at your spouse. Look up here. That's why the devil tried you to get you as an ox to hook up with a donkey because if he can get you to hook up with a donkey, it's going to mess up your what, your where, and your when. Moses had Aaron. Paul had Barnabas and Silas. Elijah had Elisha. David had Joab. Jesus had his inner three, Peter, James, and John. And God's got a what for you. And he's got a where you're to do the what. And he's got a when you're to do it. And he's got a who you're to do it with. Many, many years ago, 40 years ago, I came walking out of a Bible study. It was called the One Way House where we met. And I was on fire. 
for God. Burning up, preaching to everything that moved. I was single. And I, and I came walking out of this one-way house, and, and I saw this girl walking in front of me. Now, I admit she was cute. But I also saw something. She walked with an air of, I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, I had my what I'm called to preach. I had where, anywhere. I had my when. <laughs> but I needed who. And so I walked up, and I began to talk to her. And she became my sweetheart, Kathy. Now, watch this. And do you know, I'll guarantee you, there's not a pastor alive that will stay pastor for long if he doesn't have the right who. Because if you don't have the right who, no woman is going to do what pastoring requires unless she is called to be a part of that. And, and, and so it was so important that I get the right who because in, in 39 years of marriage, we've seen tens of thousands of people reach thousands of people saved. We're now every single week reaching hundreds of thousands via radio. And, and at every turn, Kathy said, yes. Kathy said, I'll go. Kathy said, I'll never stand in the way of God's will. She was always ready, always submitted. A great woman of God. <laughs> Serious. Why don't you stand with me, would you? Now I want you to say with me, the Holy Spirit guides us to Jesus, guides us onto the right path, and guides us in God's will. How many of you want to be in that will today, in the will of God? Now I know what you're thinking, some of you. Well, what if I got the wrong who? Can I ditch them? That's another message for another day. And just real quickly, no. God will work through anything. But oh, the power of a God-given team. Man, I'll tell you. So let's go to him right now. Father, we thank you right now for the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I think most in here have been to Jesus the truth and are doing their best to walk the narrow road. But Lord, I believe that many of us need the guidance of God in our what, in our where, in our when, and in our who. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You are not here by an accident. You have been saved for this hour. The Father drew you to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And He hasn't just saved you for heaven. He saved you for this hour to make a difference. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord? And I want to, I'm asking God just to ignite your heart with such a desire to be filled with His Spirit and to follow the guidance of His Spirit and to get plugged into the epicenter of God's will for you. Father, lead this people, guide this people.
I pray into all truth. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need this today, give the Lord a hand of praise. And come and pray. Thank you, Lord.